Episode number 30. Are mass shootings at public venues like nightclubs unstoppable? This is the Crime School Radio Show. Where industry experts discuss the business of fighting crime and prevention strategies for making places safe. Leading today's discussion is security expert, Chris McGoey. Welcome to Crime School. It's early Sunday morning, June 12th, 2016. When I awoke, I learned the news that the largest mass shooting in U.S. history just occurred in Orlando, Florida, in a nightclub. We at Crime School are very upset about this news. Our heartfelt condolences go out to the victims and families who suffered from this senseless tragedy. Now, the news is very sketchy at this time, but the early reports are indicating that some 50 people were killed and 53 wounded before the Orlando Police Department SWAT unit could take out the shooter. Facts are unclear, but it seems that this is another case of ISIS-inspired Islamic terrorism. Early reports indicate that the shooter was a U.S. citizen. We've heard that before, haven't we? That we're now creating our own homegrown terrorist, making the situation even more difficult to solve. To make matters worse, this shooter was also a licensed security guard in the state of Florida and may have had a weapons permit. So far, police are indicating that the shooter was 29-year-old Omar Mateen, and he carried out the attack all alone. We've seen that pattern before, a lone wolf carrying an assault rifle and a handgun. So this is a common pattern, isn't it? A lone male, assault rifle, handguns, mass murder. Islamic Jihad, Islamic terrorist. This time the target was a popular gay nightclub called The Pulse, where they were celebrating the LGBT month. Now I suspect there will turn out to be some likely connection between the shooter Mateen, who is Muslim, and his culture celebrating Ramadan during these same weeks. Now this is a trend I would like to break. But any time there's a major criminal event like this, I get contacted by the media to comment on the incident. Within hours of the largest mass shooting in the U.S. history, the media wants to know, how can we prevent this from happening? So stay with me for a couple of seconds while I get the reporter on the line. His name is Tony Saavedra. He works for the Orange County Register. And let's get into his questions and my responses. This is the Crime School Radio Show. After a short break, we will introduce today's special guest. Was there anything that could have been done to prevent uh, last night's... Uh, uh slaughter 
Well, the honest answer is I don't know. I don't have the results of the investigation yet. Nobody really does, but we mm -hmm. will once we get a mm -hmm. chance to look at the video foot footage and speak to all the witnesses, and then we'll know exactly what happened. We'll know what the timeline uh, was and what was said, what was seen, what was known. So until mm -hmm. we know all that, nobody could really speculate could anything had been had been done. But typically, I think mm -hmm. what you're asking me is typically in Southern California with large nightclub venues, are they set up to stop someone like this, some Islamic jihadist intent on coming into a facility and causing just carnage, going for the record of mass murder? Mm -hmm. uh, the short answer is no. We're just not set mm -hmm. up for that. Uh, the closest thing that we have that would be set up would be the, the airports. Mm -hmm. Los Angeles or Long Beach airports where they have armed officers, they have metal detectors and security officer presence, and, and they're sort of prepared looking for this sort of thing, and they have immediate response capability. Mm -hmm. An entertainment venue does not. Mm -hmm. it, and then as far as whether it should be known or foreseeable, I mean, we know that there's mass shootings in this, in this mm -hmm. country. It's happened before. Mm -hmm. But they never seem to be at the same place twice. They, they tend to be picking different targets for different reasons and spread out mm -hmm. geographically all over the country. So it's, mm -hmm. it's very difficult to know that tonight is going to be the night at my place. Mm -hmm. um, this particular one, again, they all seem to be unique. As far as I could tell, and you know, the information is still coming in, as far as I could tell, there are several things at play here. Uh, you mentioned mm -hmm. that, yes, it's Ramadan in the uh, Islamic uh, culture. Ramadan is a several-week period where they're supposed to fast and, and pray and a lot. And unfortunately, that happened to coincide with the uh, uh, LBGT week and kind mm -hmm. of celebration, if you will. And mm -hmm. the two cultures are almost 180 degrees out as far as uh, what one religion or one group feels possibly about the other. Mm -hmm. They kind of coincided. I think the nightclub is just the place. This thing could have mm -hmm. happened anywhere. We, we won't know until maybe the FBI digs into this young, young man's uh, computer and stuff to find out that he specifically targeted a gay nightclub. It seems like he drove some distance in Florida to get to, to, get to it. Mm -hmm. So that in his mind, possibly, this was mm -hmm. underscoring the problems with the Western culture. Mm -hmm. that it, it is something that is contaminating the Islamic society might be one way they would look at it. The fact that there's homosexuality, the fact that there's alcoholic beverages involved, uh, that, there's, you know, that there's dancing and there's lewd activity potentially. I mean, all of those things drive these people more nuts than and probably they already are and might in mm -hmm. their mind be a suitable target. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I mm -hmm. think the... At the end of the day, the, uh, the finding will be something along that lines, that this was a, a well-known club. This uh, event on this night was highly publicized. You know, all the other calendar uh, events fall into place, and this was probably a planned activity. The man obviously came heavily armed. Uh, he was uh, prepared and uh, went in there and, and started shooting, and he tried to kill or wound as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. Don't, um, now you said that, that most bars, the way they're, or nightclubs, the way they're set up, 
um, would not be, they would not be able to stop this type of thing. And you compared it to airports. Um, could you go? Uh, so airports have what they have metal detectors and they have the TSA uh, agents right there checking your bags and they have, you know, what how. How else are they different? Well, what else do they have? They have armed law enforcement officers assigned to the uh, airports, don't they? They're right, right there within shouting distance. Mm-hmm. And, and they also have the ability for a, a much more rapid uh, response. They have all the tools and equipment they need right there to respond instantly. Nightclubs mm-hmm. typically don't have anyone armed on the premises. Any security officers or bouncers are typically unarmed. Many clubs, if they're, if they're active and volatile clubs, they will have screaming at the door. When you enter, they'll pat you mm-hmm. down for weapons or they'll have metal detectors. Prudent clubs concerned about security would have that. I don't mm-hmm. know the circumstances in this case, how this, how this shooter actually got in yet, whether he barged his way in or whether he just walked in in the line. Sounds to me like he was carrying a lot of gear. If he's carrying possibly an assault rifle and other handguns and ammo, I suspect the evidence will probably show he just charged in. Okay. Um, yeah, do, so are there nightclubs with metal detectors? Some nightclubs, many nightclubs in Southern California have metal detectors. Either Most of them are handheld wands looking for guns or knives uh, just to prevent something from escalating beyond an argument or a fight into a shooting. And that mm-hmm. they're pretty successful in, in keeping weapons out in most clubs. This is a little different mm-hmm. scenario. This is not someone who's coming in uh, wanting to enjoy the facility, maybe with, uh, with family or friends or a girlfriend, and just mm-hmm. happened to be packing a gun. This guy seemingly came in with a specific intent of shooting and killing as many people as possible. He's not really concerned about rules of the club or laws of the state of Florida or in California, mm-hmm. our laws. And they will simply bypass very quickly anyone trying to stop them. Because he certainly mm-hmm. had the capability of shooting anyone who got in his way and probably did. Mm-hmm. Now, in Florida, I don't have all the details yet, but it sounds mm-hmm. like there was an off-duty Orlando Police mm-hmm. Department officer working at the club or outside the club. Mm-hmm. And it sounds okay. like he engaged this shooter early on. And then got overwhelmed with the firepower, and it sounds like he backed off and called for help, got the cavalry coming. Mm-hmm. So if that's the mm-hmm. case, if that turns out to be true, I mean, there's kind of an argument right there. We had an armed law enforcement officer on the scene, and he was mm-hmm. not enough. One person is not enough. That kind of begs the next question, well, what could we do? You know, do we have to start having two officers? Do we need to start having... Uh, you know, moats with alligators. Do we ha- do we have to uh, screen people out on the street? It's uh, it gets to the point where every every facility, every retail outlet, every public gathering is going to have to have some sort of a screening process. Mm-hmm. We're in for a long haul here. If this keeps on going, if this type of thing is is going to continue tracking, we're in big trouble for a while. Unfortunately, the media and this is your business. Uh, mm. your, your service is doing more harm than, than good mm. and simply because that's what these guys, many of them, live for. They want to mm. generate the greatest amount of notoriety that they can. Many people have been trying to break the record uh, for the most people killed in, in one mass shooting. 
That's easily done in this case. And this thing will be on the 24-hour news cycle for weeks. Mm-hmm. So a mission accomplished. And yes, it's creating a lot of uh, fanfare, a lot of havoc. Uh, life as we know it is going to be changed forever, certainly for the victims and the businesses in that area. And these discussions that you and I are having right now are going to go on for some time about what can we do or what should we do to try to prevent this uh, going forward. Mm-hmm. So, any, so you're saying any, any place uh, uh, that attracts a large gathering um, is, is susceptible. Well, and they're, and they're all soft targets, aren't they? Mm-hmm. I mean, even, right. even if, let's assume this nightclub did pat down or have metal detectors for weapons. So presumably every patron inside, every employee would be unarmed, right? Mm-hmm. So the shooter, right. the shooter is almost guaranteed that he's going to go in there unopposed, unless someone's mm-hmm. able to tackle him or, or something. So most places, schools where guns are forbidden, many places where guns are forbidden are soft targets, and somebody mm-hmm. coming in heavily armed and having the will and the determination is always going to overcome that soft target until help arrives and. Unfortunately, when you need the police and law enforcement, they're only minutes away. And in mm-hmm. those minutes, you know, hundreds of rounds can be fired. Even, even the best nightclub, you know, nightclub with the best uh, um, practices, someone at the door, someone with a wand or, or actual metal, metal detector, detector um, would not be able to withstand someone who just comes shooting through, shooting his way in. No place can. I mean, a bank. I mean, any place you go, a grocery store, any place you go throughout the course of the day, they are not this, we're not set up to protect against an armed perpetrator like this who's coming in with the intent of killing as many people as possible. He's heavily armed, and he doesn't care if he lives or dies. That's a very, very bad combination. Every public place is going to have to have some armed presence and then that's not always going to be the solution in every case. So what's the answer then? <laughs> well, I wish I knew the answer. I'd write a book and uh, <laughs> and sell sell a few copies. I think. I think uh-huh. I think the answer is a, a combination of things. So obviously, mm-hmm. we 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 haven't had this uh, before. I mean, in the last uh, decades before, we'd have the we'd had the fight. And we'd have uh, different situations that would escalate sometimes to shootings. But there was usually some precursor. There was something that either led up to it, built up to it, or individuals that were carrying guns just to carry them around casually. We, we, ha- we, we had systems in place to screen those people out, to not admit mm-hmm. them, and for example. But this is a little different. When you've got a guy... And so far, it's almost all guys. It's almost all single men. Mm. Now the shooters are having families, so that's not mm. seemingly do it, doing it. Mm. Um, coming in intent on, on killing and dying, that is a tough, tough call. I mean, law enforcement military are not able to even solve that equation immediately. I know mm. every time these things happen, my phone rings off the hook with people that are on different sides of the gun argument, whether a gun should be available, whether assault rifles should be available, or this, that, or the other thing. And I always have to remind people that, you know, I do work in China. If you go to China, they got a big problem with knives and stabbings. They have more stabbings there than we have shootings. Mm -hmm. 
So it's not totally uh, the gun scenario. It's, it's, it's the people and what they're intent on doing. Now, guns, mm-hmm. these automatic weapons with these gigantic clips could do a lot of damage mm-hmm. before they have to reload, and that's, and that's a problem. There's gun advocates that would argue that if there was more guns on people, if more people had concealed weapons, they would have intervened themselves inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we know that's not always a solution either. Mixing guns with alcohol in an entertainment environment like that is not the, uh, not the answer either. That's, that's a mm-hmm. dis- another disaster waiting to happen. Right. Now, what, what about some of these larger venues? Um, the Disneyland's, the uh, Knott's Berry Farms, the Staples Center. Dodger Stadium. Dodger Stadium. Are they better protected than these targets that, you know, you know, these uh, um, less pronounced, you know, prominent uh, targets? Or or is it the same thing as the supermarket and the banks? Well, it's yes yes and no. The the large venues like the... uh, like the ballparks and things like that, they usually have law enforcement officer, officers there someplace, but they're in a very small number, just really a response team. But most places, most privately owned places are managed by private security. And most private mm-hmm. security is unarmed. And mm-hmm. most private security just has minimum standards of training. The security officers are not, most are not career. They're not that qualified and to be able to respond to, to something like this. So mm-hmm. we've, we've been skating along for a long time and most people have been law abiding and the systems work pretty well except for the occasional blow up. Now, if this, mm-hmm. get, this is getting to be, you know, just radicalized and it's, it's almost a game, it's almost sport to see who can cause the most damage, who can cause the greatest uproar, who could cause the United States to change their way of life, to change their culture to the point where they don't enjoy all the same freedoms and so forth anymore. Mm -hmm. And in that way, doing more damage to us than any economic uh, damage could. Mm-hmm. So you're, I, like I said, I know Disneyland has, uh, um, you know, they've they've got their, uh, um, they've got their uh, procedures, um, but it's a combination. It seems of private security. They they got their own security, and and law enforcement. Um, you, know, you also can see them on site as well. But what you're saying is that that because it's private. Um, it's not any safer? Or? Well, it's a scale. It's a matter of scale. When you're talking about mm-hmm. places that have fifty to 100,000 people, if you were to look at the ratio of security officers or police officers to the population, it pales in comparison. I bet you this nightclub in, uh, in Orlando probably had, you know, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 security officers there and maybe mm-hmm. an off-duty police officer outside. In a, in a square footage that was, you know, probably maybe a couple thousand or so square feet. So mm-hmm. very densely uh, populated with security officers or maybe police officers. And uh, that didn't do the trick. Where a large venue like a, a ballpark or a Staples or, a, or Disneyland, they're spread out over acres. The ability to, to respond, it'd be very, very difficult. 
Now, Disneyland has, uh, sure, they have an entry policy. They, they'll check you down. They'll pat you down. They'll inspect bags. But it's very minimum. It's almost theater. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost done for the purpose of just being high profile that you're doing something. But it's mm-hmm. not really doing a very good job of actually keeping weapons out. If somebody wanted to get weapons into Disneyland, they could. I'm not naive enough to think that's going to happen one day, that a mm-hmm. place like Disneyland is definitely going to rock our world mm-hmm. and, again, make that news cycle for, for months, mm-hmm. that there's no place sa- no safe place anymore. And mm-hmm. once people start feeling unsafe, guess what happened? Gun purchases are going to go up again. You're going to see legislation changing regarding having armed citizenry again. It's a slippery slope. Right. Well, what do these larger venues do then? I mean, what's the the basic uh, um, uh, security plan of these larger... uh, mm -hmm. The security plan is based on risk. What is the reasonable risk? So you look at the history of that particular venue and you look at others like it. And you try to figure out what's happened here in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, what's happened in the past is the best indicator of what's likely to happen in the future, right? Mm-hmm. So a large venue like a theme park, uh, more than, and especially they don't sell alcoholic beverages. That's a big mm-hmm. plus, not like this nightclub. Mm-hmm. They're going to have disagreements. They're going to have fights. There might be some gang activity. There might be some... Uh, verbal disputes and cutting in line and domestic disputes. I mean, things like that that are that are mm-hmm. pretty pretty common that could be handled locally by mm-hmm. security response and and maybe a police response. You know, in a few minutes, uh, and those are handled. And if you look at the hundreds of thousands of people that attend these parks, the numbers of these incidents where someone has to be physically handled or even arrested are a very small fraction. You know, it's mm-hmm. a very small number. So they look mm-hmm. at year to year, week to week, month to month, the numbers that they're having, look, keeping with the staff and the training and the response, and they certainly review every incident after it happens. And you make mm-hmm. a judgment with, with what we're doing. Is it reasonable and adequate under the circumstances? And in most cases, mm-hmm. it is. But mm-hmm. these same venues don't have incidents like this, or they haven't yet. They mm-hmm. haven't had a situation where some one or more heavily armed people came in just trying to murder people, you know, for mm-hmm. the sake of Islamic jihad. It hasn't happened mm-hmm. before. So mm-hmm. they haven't felt the need to prepare themselves yet, but frankly, there is no way to adequately, adequately prepare yourself unless every public place, every large venue becomes another airport, becomes mm-hmm. another LAX. Mm-hmm. But then not too long ago, right? We had something happen at LAX, didn't we? Right. We had a guy coming and shooting up uh, the place at, at LAX. I was there. Mm-hmm. I just flew in. Wow. I was at a different terminal, and I got locked down for like three hours in the adjacent terminal. Now, we had a response on site that was able to uh, act and, and respond, but uh, the universities where we've had shooting, we had uh, university armed police. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just can't be at all places at all times, and, and there, there is a response uh, delay always. So, mm-hmm. largely, the response to these these type of shooting incidents is a response tactic. It's not mm-hmm. so much a prevention tactic because any prevention tactic that's going to be palatable to the public and to a free society 
uh, is going to be vulnerable to these these crazy guys that are going to come in and they're compelled to commit jihad and die doing it. Mm. So the proper response is always going to be a law enforcement type response. And unfortunately, mm. that's the key word in quotes. It's a response. They're not there at the time of the incident. So we have to wait for them to respond mm-hmm. and then try to terminate it. But like There's really no way to stop to, to prevent it. It's, we're basically in a, in a response mode. That's, how well can you respond to it? Well, you're always in a response mode. You have to wait until somebody acts until you respond. I mean, we're, a, right. we're an open, we're a free society. We like to think ourselves as primarily a law-abiding law, uh, society. And we want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where do we go? Do we go to profiling? Since most of these mm-hmm. shooters are male, do we start having males when they approach a facility? They have to go through a separate line. If you look like you're uh, you're foreign, do you go in a separate line? If you look, if you have a beard, possibly Islamic, do you go in even another line? I mean, you know, wh- what do we do? And we right. haven't even have we haven't even started that discussion yet. How do we how th- we get into all that? Do you think the larger venues? as well as the other, the smaller, you know, like the nightclubs, are going to be rethinking uh, um, their security in light of this recent uh, um, shooting. And, and the, the 20 that occurred before it. Trust me, they're all, they're all thinking about it. I, I work with a lot of these companies. I'm hired to sit in with them at strategy meetings and planning meetings. And the frustration that you're feeling talking to me is the same frustration mm-hmm. they have, only worse. They feel mm-hmm. helpless. What can we do? It's mm-hmm. never happened to us before. We know that it's happened other places, so it's possible. But is it probable? Is mm-hmm. it reason- something we should reasonably anticipate? And are there reasonable steps that we could take to mitigate that? And that's mm-hmm. the equation. What can you do that's not going to completely cause society and the business and our lifestyle to come to a screeching halt? I mean, driving across any bridge, someone could blow up a bomb in the middle of the bridge. So do we search every car before it crosses a bridge? Mm-hmm. Before you enter any facility, any business, do people have to be searched? They have to go through metal detectors? Mm-hmm. And, and, as, and as it turns out, possibly in this case in Orlando, if this guy just charged past the door, all the door controls went south when a heavily armed guy in intent on murder and didn't care if he died, entered. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no stopping that other than meeting it with equal or greater deadly force. Mm-hmm. So, so where are we? We've kind of come full circle. Are we saying that in America, all public venues have to be armed, heavily armed to that point, and be ready to apply deadly force at any given moment? At the same time, mm-hmm. we got a very active litigation in in this country can you imagine Mm -hmm. if someone pulls a trigger too soon Mm -hmm. or they they mistake someone just because of their parent ethnicity or color of their skin or or something else fire a weapon it passes by them and hits somebody a block away i mean it Mm -hmm. just goes on and on and on what's the definition of uh, a soft target basically that there's no it could be barriers. These either no barriers or no policies, procedures, or no person of authority to stop someone from committing a criminal act. So it could be something as 
minor as trespassing to somebody coming in, getting in fights or committing violence. If there's right. no one there to stop them, like a bank, the classic is a bank. Back in the days when we used to have a lot of bank robberies, it seems, it would mm -hmm. be a soft target if there's no armed guard in the bank, if there's no video surveillance in the bank, if there's no alarm systems in the bank, if the getaway routes were very, very good. Those would all be considered soft targets. And, and yeah, and you can and you can have all that. You can have an armed guard. You can have video surveillance. You can have metal detectors, and 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 you're still not going to stop. I've worked with, in in some capacity, in a in a great way, a large way, uh, developing full fledged security plans down to just uh, you know think tanks trying to talk our way and think our way through what are all the variables and what are all the possibilities and what's reasonable, what's not, and just to get mm -hmm. kind of people thinking mm -hmm. the type of things we should be doing. Now, the San Bernardino thing is right in our backyard, right? So after that right. one, Southern California, I guarantee you, a lot of the big companies down here had those meetings and mm -hmm. started dusting off their emergency uh, plans and their, and wanting to know, are, are we set up? Well, how are we going to act should something like this happen? And mm -hmm. what are the things we could do? So there's been many, many meetings like that. Law enforcement mm -hmm. is going nonstop, learning from each each single mass shooting incident, and they're up in their their training and their response capabilities and trying to be the best that they could be to respond to these things quicker, you know, faster, uh, and using technology, uh, whatever. But again, as you say, it, it, but again, it's res respond. It's it's not. Uh, um, in almost um, in almost every case, and this one doesn't sound like it's much different. By the time the police respond in any kind of force, virtually mm -hmm. all of the damage has been done. Mm -hmm. The shots have been fired. Uh, in the case of San Bernardino, if you recall, uh, the two shooters had already shot uh, everyone they're going to shoot. They got in their vehicles and they had already left before the mm -hmm. San Bernardino County Sheriff responded. Mm -hmm. So, Right. Well, what about the case of the, the guy that was arrested last night in Santa Monica uh, with the guns and saying that he was he, had, he intended to come to the gay parade? Yeah, in L.A. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's every day. That's, that's every single day. There's just these kind of people that are out there that are, are, are planning these things. And I, I know the FBI and, and many other uh, uh, agencies, law enforcement agencies are constantly monitoring, using technology the best they can, trying to pick up on conversations over the internet. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the common, common, denominator, common denominators, obviously, is the internet, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that's where some of these U.S. homegrown Islamic uh, people that uh, become jihadists are because of the internet. That's how they get radicalized. So that's something we hadn't had to deal with before. The uh, just social media has uh, mm -hmm. contributed to that. It allows them to coordinate their attacks uh, a little bit better. So it, I think it's a moving uh, moving target. The FBI, law enforcement, all the communities are working hard trying to figure out how we could deal with these situations. Then on the other hand, we have other, other arms of our government and, and citizens arguing the opposite, forcing mm -hmm. uh, the right to privacy and, 
and trying to inhibit their ability to conduct the kind of intelligence that they want to do. And then we have the gun lobbies, right, wanting to uh, increase uh, people's ability to carry arms and maybe short-circuit some of these things. And then we have the anti-gun lobby claiming or blaming the arms industry for putting the the guns in the hands of these shooters. So... (laughs) It seems like there's always two or four or ten sides to every equation. Right. And we end up doing hardly anything. Now, you and I are both in Southern California. The San Bernardino shooting was in, uh, what, in December? Mm-hmm. And here we are in June. Once all the dust settled, and again, they fell off that news cycle, What what's happened? What's occurred? Is there is there anything else, any... Any policies uh, being actively pursued or any changes occurred since then? Right. You know, you don't really hear about it. You know, this whole business with their cell phone, getting access to the cell phone. Apple fought, mm-hmm. fought that tooth and nail uh, for their own purposes and for privacy purposes. I understand that side of the argument, but here was an opportunity for the government to get better access at monitoring these terrorist networks. So... Mm-hmm. Again, there's always multiple sides of the equation to look at. So, to to sum it up, then, uh, as far as from big venue to little venue, other than to turn it into an airport, like have airport like security, there's very little that can be done to uh, to prevent uh, this this type of uh, this type of an attack. That's that's right. You're exactly right. Because wow. as, as soon as you harden a target, you harden a target where the risk of being successful is reduced, they'll mm-hmm. just take it down a notch and find the next softer target. Mm-hmm. There are many, many targets out there, many grades of targets. Mm-hmm. So do we have to start hardening uh, daycare centers? Do we have to have armed guards at daycare centers, at every church, you know, every grocery store? Mm-hmm. You know, can we no longer have public parades, public gatherings? You know, do we uh, do we have to be socially proper? And uh, the lowest common denominator seems to be the Islamic jihadists. They don't they don't like anything that we do. In this case, the gay community sort of attracted, uh, you know, got in their sights, and, and they just happened to let it out on this gay nightclub. But it could have been the a gay parade, like in L.A. Or right, West Hollywood, right. they, they could have attacked that or bombed that just as easily. Then we wouldn't be talking about nightclub security anymore. Uh, how do you secure a public street? Wow. Okay, you gave me a lot to think about. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Okay, bye. Bye. Well, that about wraps up today's show. I hope you found this episode interesting and will share it with your family, friends, and coworkers. It makes a great basis for conversation and discussion. You'd be surprised how many different opinions there are out there on this subject matter. We all have different perspectives, different points of view, based on our background, our education, our training, our life experience. So it's important to have these discussions. That's how we learn, right? That's how we grow. That's how we solve problems. So here at Crime School, we're going to continue to present a variety of educational topics, but we're going to keep our focus on the theme, making places safe for people and property. 
Now, the subject matter is influenced by things that are happening right now in the news and based on your feedback. So I encourage you to tell me about your ideas. What do you want to hear discussed? What ideas do you think are important? I'm always looking for a guest. If you followed Crime School, you know that we've had some outstanding guests on the show. So I'm looking for those that have special knowledge about crime, crime prevention, loss prevention, that have a legal background, that want to talk about criminal law, civil law, the court system, liability, and negligence. I want to talk about products, especially those that deal with solving a crime or loss prevention problem. Let's discuss it on the air. If you're a crime victim and you have a motivating story to tell or interesting outcome, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for participating in Crime School and for doing your part in making places safe. This is the Crime School Radio Show with your host, Chris McGoey. We invite you to comment on today's topic and join the Crime School community. For more information and show notes from this episode, please visit crimeschool.com.